0: and fans, welcome to the uscfootball.com peristyle pregame show, and welcome to game day as the clock has officially struck midnight, and we're getting ready for USC Stanford football. I am your host, Ryan Abraham, publisher of uscfootball.com, and I'm joined by uscfootball.com reporters Shotgun Spratling and Keely Yore, and over the next hour, we will be previewing USC and Stanford. We cover the Trojans 24 hours a day, 365 days a year at uscfootball.com with reports, analysis, interviews, podcasts, photos, videos, and lots more. Make sure you check out the site for wall-to-wall USC coverage. The Parastyle pregame show is proudly sponsored by Trader Joe's. Stop by your neighborhood Trader Joe's for all your tailgating needs like canned wine, elote spiced corn chips, and yes, even hummus. We aren't afraid of interesting food at a tailgate party. All right, let's bring in Keeley and Shotgun and give out our awards from the Fresno State game. First up... We got Keely Yor. She's got our Offensive Player of the Game Award.
1: Now Ryan, I'm cheating on this one. I have two players for the offense. Vivai Malapai and Stephen Carr, both running backs. They were my MVPs of the offense. Vivai had 134 yards on 23 carries and a touchdown. Stephen Carr, the burst is back for him. 56 yards on 6 carries, 1 rushing touchdown and 1 receiving. He was USC's second uh, leading receiver in the game, which is pretty surprising, but uh, good things from those guys. They ran the ball well and and helped USC put points on the board.
0: Yeah, good choices, Keeley. I'm going to go with the defensive player of the game, Isaiah Polamal, the safety. He had five tackles, one tackle for loss, a sack, but he had that big interception at the end of the game that really sealed it for USC. So going with Isaiah Polamal, the secondary had some questionable stuff going on, but Isaiah had a great game. He saved the game, so we're going to go with him, Defensive Player of the Game. Now we got
2: shotgun. Hey, hey, let's not leave out the lineman here. All the right. big boys up front on the offensive and defensive side. The top lineman from the game was Elijah Vera Tucker. He cleared the way for one of Stephen Carr's rushing touchdowns. He was also a, a, made a real big impact in the passing game and pass protection. Did not give up any pressures. He was great up there. The USC offensive line started in the middle with him when they were running the ball and when they were passing the ball.
1: Moving on to special teams, how could you not give the award to Valus Jones running that kickoff return for a touchdown, a much-needed boost after JT Daniels went down, so have to give that to him. He also had that 61-yard return, got called back, but how could you not give it to Jones? But let's go to a special segment we call Light the Torch for the play of the game. Shotgun, who you got?
2: I mean, that Valus return was special. I mean, he gets his first career touchdown there, but one of the plays that may have been a little bit overlooked was Marlon Pelotu forcing a fumble on the first drive that Fresno State had. And I just love the effort from him. It was a it was a run by the quarterback on the outside edge. He gets out there as Palier and Nayeteote tries to make the tackle. Tui Pelotu comes out from the out inside and pops the ball free. And it led to a USC touchdown on the drive.
0: We're gonna go with the head scratcher of the week award. One of those plays that you're just like, huh? And that was the very first play of the season. USC. The aforementioned 61-yard kickoff return for Valus Jones. But with two number sevens on the field at the same time, that's a penalty. That's coming back. That's your head-scratcher play of the day.
2: Now, that's a head scratcher. Let's look at what USC can fix, though. Here's the fixer upper, what USC has to do better this week, and that's going to be their edge containment on defense. You know, Fresno State was able to get outside and run on the edges on USC's defense. They've got to do a better job of just focusing on each individual's task instead of trying to do too much. And that's a big matchup we're going to look at, and that's going to be USC's defensive line going up against Stanford's offensive line. Stanford's going to be without Walker. Literal, their all-American candidate, left tackle USC is going to have to attack with the defensive ends, whether it's straight Jackson or Christian Rector. But they have to make sure that they contain the edge at the same time. That's going to be a big one to watch in this game. Ryan, what's another matchup we may need to watch in this game?
0: So what I'm looking at shotgun Paulson Adebo, maybe the best player on Stanford's team, the cornerback. He's a all-American. You're just going to look for him to be all over the field. He moves around a little bit, so we're not sure which of USC's great receivers he's going to be covering. He might be trying to lock down a Tyler Vaughn or a Michael Pittman, but watch for USC's great receivers to go against Paulson Adebo, especially when you got a true freshman quarterback throwing the ball. That's going to be a matchup to watch all afternoon.
1: Now, we saved the most probably obvious matchup for last. Uh, It's officially now the backup bowl for USC and Stanford. Now that KJ Costello for Stanford is ruled out, Uh, redshirt sophomore Davis Mills, the former five-star quarterback, is getting the start. As we all know for USC, JT Daniels is out with an ACL tear. The true freshman, Keenan Slovis, is getting his first start. So now, they're not exactly going against each other, but that is a matchup to watch against both defenses. Which defense will rattle uh, the new starter and who will prevail on both sides the ball it'll be interesting to watch for for sure
0: the Stanford and USC matchup is always an interesting one both teams play early in the season because they play Notre Dame so it works out with the schedule Uh, I don't know if you guys know this but the fewest returning starters in the Pac-12 belong to Stanford and USC so a lot of new faces out there plus now you have new quarterbacks as well David Shaw very successful head coach for Stanford 83 wins the most and program history. And Stanford's won 95 games this decade. That's the most in the Pac-12 and six in the nation. If you know Stanford football, you got the big, burly, tough, physical offensive lines. The last couple of years, too, they've had those long, rangy receivers that were jumping up over everyone, catching balls. You got Bryce Love or Christian McCaffrey, but this is a much different looking Stanford team, Keely.
1: Yeah, you're missing J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. The offensive line is one of the question marks for this Stanford team coming into this season. And then on the other side, USC, it's a completely different offense, the air raid system. I mean, you're kind of seeing two separate teams with a different identity coming into this game.
2: Yeah, you look at what has been the classic matchups in this for the last 10 years or so. You know, the rivalry really took off about 10 years ago with the, wait. What's your deal? What's your deal with Pete Carroll and Jim Harbaugh? You know, and since then it's been about you know the the game in the trenches. Who's going to be able to win that battle? Can USC step up their physicality in the games against Stanford? And now it's it's a big question mark. It's not just about physicality this year. It's going to be about matchups, I think, more than it ever has been in the past. You know, it's not the the quick running back that you had in Bryce Love or Christian McCaffrey that could be such a matchup issue. It's going to be more of a running back by committee for Stanford, and on the offensive line. You know what? How is that group going to to work together without Walker Little and with a true freshman now playing left tackle and protecting the backside of you know first time starter Davis Mills?
0: Yeah, that's a big question mark for Stanford. If you watch that Northwestern game last week, three holding penalties on the Stanford offensive line in the first quarter alone. So it's a different look. And I know last year David Shaw, he's a great coach, but he can be a little stubborn sometimes he had more of an air raid type of team where they could just throw the football around the field with KJ Costello and all those wide receivers, but he was pretty stubborn wanting to run the football, even though Bryce love uh, wasn't healthy. The offensive line wasn't up to the Stanford snuff that you would normally see. So, now I'm curious to see what they look like this year. It wasn't much of an offensive game last week, if you watch a little bit of a snoozer with the Northwestern and Stanford. But I was impressed with the way the Stanford defense played. That Certainly there were some questions coming into the season, but they really shut things down with Northwestern. And I think it's going to give this USC offense, with a backup
2: quarterback, a pretty good test. I think one of the biggest question marks on that defense for Stanford is there's not that true... You bully in the middle of the defensive line that they've had for several years. You know, with the Solomon Thomas or Harrison Phillips, the guys in the middle that that force that double team. Can USC get away with one-on-one blocks up front? And how different is their you know the wide splits they have in the air raid offense? What effect that does that have on the Stanford defensive line play as well? Those things are going to be big question marks. You're going to see how this USC offense reacts now that Keaton Slovis is is basically given the ball and told to run the full offense, unlike last week in the second half
1: and I'm curious what Stanford's game plan is because if I'm them I want to load the box and have Keaton beat me with his arm you know rattle the true freshman early on and see if he can pull out the stops because if not USC's run game could take over
0: yeah that we saw the USC run game kind of take over in the second half Stanford's pretty stout against the run they have just it's a tough front seven usually that's a physical team they love some of those physical matchups and they're going to punch you in the mouth and see how you respond and we weren't sure about this USC offensive line coming out of fall camp but I thought they showed play, a lot of improved play in this especially the second half against Fresno State a much different test uh, against Stanford here. So I think this USC offensive line, that looks like it's going to be healthy with six guys rotating up front should be in a good position shotgun to do something against Stanford. If they do, I think USC has a great shot to win this game.
2: You're going to have to run the ball. You're going to have to be able to do what they did in the second half at times, which is run the ball. When you get to those third and ones, is USC going to be able to pick those up? Can they push guys around enough up front to be able to take advantage, to pick up those tough yardage situations which they didn't do at the end of the game against Fresno? Stephen Carr and Vi Malapai did great early in the game, you know, creating extra yards, breaking tackles and stuff, but at the end of the game, when everyone knows you're going to run the ball, can USC do that? And everyone knows USC needs to run the ball this week because of Slovis back there, and I think it's going to be an interesting matchup between the two defensive coordinators as to what you're going to try to do to rattle the other quarterback since both guys are pretty green back in the pocket.
1: Now the interesting thing you guys both mentioned it is the test that USC's offensive line will have in this game but we kind of with the Stanford matchup USC fans always kind of take the wrong things away it doesn't really match up it's a false <laughs> positive it seems like in the last 10 years of this matchup so what really comes out of this game is it a true uh, statement about this USC team?
2: One thing we haven't mentioned is special teams. Now, USC special teams can sometimes be quote unquote very special, but that's positive and negative there if you guys didn't catch that. <laughs> True. But you, the this game always comes down to it seems like a, a one possession game. It's always a pretty tight played game. So can someone make a field goal at the end of the game? Are you going to flip the field with your punter? You know, those things will come into play and Stanford special teams, you know, Jet Toner had a great kick last week, but i am still got some question marks about them. USC special teams, there's always a couple of question marks there. Let's see if if they fully deploy Ben Griffiths. You know, we, we talked to John Baxter this week. He said, you know, he he executed the game plan against Fresno State. Does that mean they're sandbagging a little bit? We'll see. You know, we want to see the, the Aussie get out there and, and boom some punts, and we'll see if they break that out this game.
0: All right, we got lots more coming up for you on the Peristyle pregame show, previewing USC and Stanford. We're going to take a quick break. Coming back, we're going to give our players perspective with Taylor Mays, former USC All-American. He's been watching film, breaking things down, what they look like against Fresno State, what he thinks they're going to look like against Stanford. After that, we're going to have our Behind Enemy line segment with RJ Abadia. He works for Bootleg.com, doing a great job covering Stanford athletics, and we're going to talk to him, pick his brain about what's good, bad, and ugly about this Stanford football team. We're going to wrap things up with Chris Trevino. is going to jump in with his five bold predictions, and we're going to hear some more sound from USC practice this past week, what they think about the Stanford Cardinals. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute, coming back on the Peristyle pregame
3: show. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue.
1: Welcome back to the Pear-style pregame show. Special thanks to Platinum Storage and the store local companies for sponsoring our show. Platinum Storage has locations all around Southern California, and you can find them online at PlatinumStorage.com. So this next segment we like to call Players' Perspective. And what better player to have in the studio than former USC safety and three-time All-American Taylor Mays. Taylor, thanks for stopping by.
4: Hey, what's going on? It's nice to be here again. I'm happy to be here and, and talk about USC Trojans.
1: Of course. You were on the sideline for Saturday's season opener against Fresno State. Now, obviously, USC came out with a victory, but what were your takeaways? What did you see uh, in that game?
4: Well, I was excited to be—that was my first game being back in the Coliseum for a USC football game. I was excited to see the team. I thought we showed a ton of potential on offense, on defense. I was a little more concerned about the spikes in our enthusiasm. We looked good at some points. We played with a lot of enthusiasm. We played fast. And then at some points, you know, we looked lethargic. We looked slow. We looked like we were down in dumps in a sense. So you have to be able to maintain that for four quarters. It's one of the hardest things to do. And that was one of the biggest concerns that I had.
1: Mental toughness was definitely a question about this team coming into this season. But when you lose your starting quarterback in JT Daniels, basically before half, and when when they came back, as you mentioned, the, the, the energy was a little up and down. How much do you attribute that to losing your starting quarterback? Or is that just something that happened with the team as a whole?
4: Well, in a perfect world, you would want your entire team to play at the same level regardless of what happens with your starting quarterback. But at the same time, in reality losing somebody like JT is a huge blow. It's just a huge blow because you're thinking about this game. You're thinking about the entirety of the season. What does this mean for us? Are we ever going to win another game? Or You see almost your dreams dashed instantly. And I think what it can do is it can just hopefully bring the team closer. We already were talking about this team needed to be a scrappy team. It needed to be a team that was hungry and willing to do whatever it took all the time to win these football games. And now it's even more relevant. These guys really have to come together. They have to do everything they can because there are already wasn't a whole lot of room for error. And now that window is even smaller with the loss of JT. And I want to give JT credit because he looked awesome when he was in, he yeah. was making some big time throws he was throwing the ball well outside of the numbers, but obviously with losing him and that's a blow in itself, our guys need to come together. They need to figure out what we need to do to be successful as a team, and they need to figure out how to help our new quarterback.
1: Keenan Slovis is going to get his first start as a true freshman on Saturday. If you're Stanford, what's the game plan here? Do you load the box and force King to to beat you with his arm?
4: Well, any time you play against a second string quarterback or a quarterback who is new to playing, you wanna intimidate him, you wanna do everything you can, you wanna move your defense around and give him as many looks as possible. Obviously stopping the run and forcing him to sit back in the pocket and make throws is hard it's something that's hard. It'd be hard for JT to do. So obviously for uh Slovis, it's gonna to be tough for him to make some of these throws and that's something that will come with experience. But Stanford is definitely going to come out, try and stop our run, be physical, move their defense around, show a lot of different fronts of different shells on the back uh, with the secondary and put a lot of pressure on him. And we are going to do the same thing, potentially, if uh, Costello doesn't play in the game. It's just part of football. And That's where other guys on offense, for us, definitely need to step up and do their part and really help bring uh, Slovis along with the rest of the offense.
1: Now, as you mentioned, USC could be, the defense could be facing a backup quarterback in Davis Mills. As defenders, how do you prepare for that when you have two guys going?
4: Well, that's hard because obviously you want to prepare the same way regardless of if you're playing a Heisman Trophy quarterback or the 10th string walk-on quarterback. You want to prepare the same way all the time. With this, our guys, I think, primarily need to focus on doing their jobs first. They need to focus on doing their jobs. They need to focus on playing together and uh, playing to their individual responsibility.
1: Now, when it comes to USC's defensive performance on Saturday, USC's coaches weren't necessarily concerned about the yardage that uh, Fresno State's quarterback, Jorge Reyna, got uh, on those scramble yards. But they were pretty happy with what they did interiorly shutting down the run uh, from – Fresno State's running back where do you stand on that containing the edge I know that was a concern for USC fans is that a concern for you going forward
4: yeah that's definitely a concern you don't look at some of the problems when you win a game if we would have lost that game obviously then the concerns are amplified and they get looked at on a bigger scale I think that overall as a defense we have we want to be a complete defense and part of being a complete defense is the D line whether it's the interior linemen or the defensive ends They have to do their jobs consistently. When you play against better teams, the problems, they're still going to be there. If you don't address them and acknowledge them and fix them and continue to work on them throughout the week, it's going to show up again for us. And I don't know if, you know, Coach Clancy just – giving an answer. I'm pretty sure that he is in the meeting rooms telling those guys we got to fix this because it's going to show up. It shows up with our defensive ends. It's going to show up with our linebackers. Guys have to know what their responsibilities are in the run game, in the run fits. They have to take uh, practice and walkthroughs and film study very seriously because A lot of these times, this is where guys learn how to get the muscle memory to see and react to certain run fits, especially in a offense like it's ran in college football, where it's a run take offense, an option offense. It's hard, but it takes a lot of work and a lot of consistency to practice these things. And hopefully our guys can understand the severity of you know, we could struggle if we don't get these things figured out.
1: One of the known concerns on the defense coming into this season was the secondary, the defensive backs. Yeah, just because the the youthfulness, their inexperience. That's something that you obviously have experience with. Yeah. What did you take away from that? And I know you talked to some of the safeties after the game as well.
4: Well, it's it's plus and minus, I would say, because our guys show a lot of promise. They are some of them are very physical. They play fast. They want to be great players. But there's just some. Technical issues, meaning in their technique, where their eyes are, that could be uh, pretty big later on down the road, just like with our D line and just like with our linebackers. And it showed up in the game on some of the deep balls. We talked about here a couple of weeks ago. As a defensive player, especially as a DB, you can't afford to make any mistakes because you make one small mistake, and that's the difference between winning the game and losing the game. Sometimes a defensive lineman can make a mistake. And he can rely on his linebackers, guys in the secondary, to clean it up for him. Our DBs can't do it. You saw it show up with the deep play uh, where the ball was caught over Chase Williams. I know Chase practices drills of turning and running to the ball. He wasn't in bad position. He just didn't finish the play. And our corner on the outside, Chris Steele, he needs to be on top of that receiver. He needs to be on top of the receiver. We had two guys matched up on one receiver, and we couldn't knock the ball down. Those plays against better teams will lose you football games. And if we don't lose, we might get blown out by another team if we don't take care of small plays like that. so
1: In that sense, because they're young, how fast can they grow in this season to shore up those mistakes?
4: Well, it's hard because obviously you would like to think that guys, and I'm sure guys have been working hard throughout the offseason, throughout training camp. But in football, sometimes learning comes just from experience. Coaches can only coach so much. They can only show you so many routes. You can only do so many plays at practice. And one of the best things that guys can do, especially on defense and in the secondary, young guys, is learning from their mistakes. If our guys are making the same mistakes this week and then the next week, then we don't deserve the win. But if guys are learning from the mistakes that they make initially – fixing them, that's how you become a better football player. Everybody makes mistakes. I've made a ton of mistakes. The best players are players who make mistakes. They learn from their mistakes, and they become better football players after making those mistakes. So hopefully that's what our guys can do
1: the Stanford-USC game is always interesting. It's always an interesting matchup in the sense that Stanford's kind of a rival to USC, and it's kind of grown in yeah. your time at USC. Yeah. I know you don't have a lot of love for Stanford. <laughs> what was that rival- rivalry like for you? I know you were part of the 2009. What's your deal game? What What were your, your feelings about Stanford?
4: Well, so, so I never really liked Stanford. Um, obviously, Stanford is a wonderful school, a great school to go to, but – I feel like my time at USC was right on the cusp of Stanford really stepping into becoming a serious football program and a respected football program. Uh, I love college football. I love the rivalries. I love, you know, the trash talking in a sense to each other. And I was right there at the beginning of the time where Stanford really just beat us pretty bad. And that was one of probably the toughest college loss that we ever had to take. It was at home. It was a very tough game. Uh, but they deserve to win. They ran the ball straight at us and they beat us and that's football. Uh, But I'm excited for our guys moving forward that uh, they can continue on this uh, newly found rivalry.
1: Now I know you're not necessarily a score predictions guy, but what's your gut feel for what's going to happen on Saturday?
4: Well, I'm not a score predictions guy, but I'm definitely a defense guy. And I hope that our defense plays well. It'll be very interesting to see what happens. I think that our guys got to step up and try to help our uh, freshman quarterback. It's going to take a team effort. And hopefully our offense coordinator will call plays that will help our quarterback Solvis, get into a groove, quick passes, uh, screen passes, uh, boots, just things that get him out of the pocket, rolling, throwing the ball. It's going to be hard for him if we can't run the football and we're getting second and long, third and long, because those those throws are throws that are hard for freshman quarterbacks to make. If we can get second and four, second and three, it's, it really opens up the playbook, and it can be opened up in a simple enough way where the defense will have to call more neutral plays. They can't blitz him as much. They can't load the box. It'll just be a, a easier uh, a game for a freshman quarterback. If our offensive line plays well and we can run the football, we'll still score. JT or no JT, we could still score. Not having penalties, no bonehead penalties on offense or defense are going to make the difference in this game. That and turnovers. We cannot turn the ball over, and we got to force a couple turnovers uh, on defense against Stanford's offense. We do that, we can win this football game. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game, but it's going to come down to the knit and grit in the fourth quarter and who makes more of the important plays and doesn't have the big mistakes.
1: Yep, without a doubt. It'll be interesting to see who shows up on Saturday. But Taylor, thanks for stopping by. We always appreciate your perspective on the game.
4: Of course. Thank you.
1: Alrighty, we're going to take a quick break and come back and go behind the enemy lines to see what's really going on at Stanford.
0: Welcome back to the uscfootball.com Paristyle pregame show. We'd like to thank Trader Joe's for sponsoring the pregame show. The next time you visit the USC campus, check out the Trader Joe's at USC Village, where you'll find food and drink from the everyday to the oddly interesting, all at amazing prices. You can't miss the store. It's in the red brick building. All right, this is our segment we call Behind Enemy Lines, where we talk to reporters covering the team that the Trojans are playing. Today, we're going to talk with RJ Abadia. He does a great job covering all things Stanford athletics for the bootleg.com. It's the Stanford site on the 24 seven sports network. Okay. Stanford Cardinal yeah. come in one and zero. Trojans are one and zero. Uh, Stanford's ranked number 23 in both the AP and coaches poll. Uh, RJ, uh, these two teams meet the second week of the season, uh, conference opener because they both played Notre Dame. They always play each other early and now they're going to both play each other with their backup quarterbacks in there. What, if you don't know much about Davis mills, Tell us a little about him. I know he was a highly rated prospect coming out of high school.
3: He was. He was the top-rated recruit in the class of 17, and I think the reason you haven't heard about him as much until now is he's just had awful injury luck. He literally got hurt playing in his final high school game. It was the Georgia State Championship game, and actually David Shaw was there, um, and he got hurt in that game, and it cost him his freshman year, um, most of his freshman year, and then at the Last game week of the year, that season, he got hurt again, which kind of torpedoed his off season. And then he finally got to play in a game for Stanford in the UC Davis game last year, which I believe was game two, if I'm not mistaken, game two or three. Um, And he got hurt in that game. So, you know, he has had no kind of, no kind of fortune, but I, um, I would caution against anyone thinking of him as just a typical backup Stanford, very much likes his skill set. They like his talent. They like his poise in the huddle. Um, He is almost certainly Stanford's starting quarterback next year. Um, And and they feel good. They feel as good as you can feel throwing a backup quarterback out there. David Shaw has said on the record this week that there will be no aspect of the playbook that is held back or curtailed because Davis Mills is out on the field. It's not the worst scenario. I'll just I'll just say that. I would argue that the absence of Walker Little at left tackle is a much bigger concern. Um, so, yeah, I think Stanford, obviously you want to go into every game with your QB1, but if you have to go with a QB2, I think Stanford feels as good as they can possibly feel uh, throwing Davis Mills out there.
0: You mentioned Walker Little, uh, Stanford's left tackle, has pretty much started since he arrived on campus, I believe. Um, I was curious to see how this offensive line was going to hold out after – maybe not the best uh, performance last year. I think three holding calls against the offensive line in the first quarter against Northwestern. Um, what's this offensive line looking like, and how, how do you f- project them to, to go for the rest of the season, and, and of course the USC game?
3: Well, I would say it's definitely improved. Um, I think your analysis about last year was right. I mean, just to put it bluntly, they were not good, and they were not what you kind of expected in terms of the calling card of a Stanford offensive line. They lost you know, way more of those third and one, fourth and one goal line battles than they're used to, quite frankly. And a lot of it um, was just kind of their inability. Well, there are two things. Number, Number one was they couldn't keep anyone healthy. They had eight different offensive line combinations in the 13 games that they played last year. And number two is they really could not identify kind of an anchor scheme in terms of, a signature play, a signature run scheme that they could kind of hang their hats on. And I think this year they've taken steps um, towards that. It's not what you've seen in the past with kind of that power play and the pulling guard. I mean, that's still in the playbook, but we saw a lot of inside zone from the Cardinal. And I think that's probably more where this line's comfort level is. Um, the The one other issue, though, I would say is that um, Walker Little is out, but there's also some depth issues as well because had they had their full complement of backups, which they don't, um, Dylan Powell is a backup interior lineman who Coach Shaw listed as doubtful um, on Tuesday. And that has a big impact because it basically means that Devry Hamilton, who started a good number of games last year for Walker Little when he got hurt, can't slide out from guard to left tackle. He has to stay inside and play guard, which is forcing Stanford to put a true freshman in Walter Rouse out there at left tackle. So, um, I think based on the early returns, I think the offensive line is better. It's far from the dominant groups we've seen in Stanford's vintage years. And I think depth is without question, a major concern coming into this game on Saturday.
0: What about some of the skill guys, uh, you know, Colby Parkinson is a stud. Uh, all six foot eight of them, or however tall he is, um, coming back. He's pretty much the main guy that's come back for this unit. Uh, so much production was lost from last year. Anyone stand out from you on the skill position side, wide receiver, tight end, running back, anything like that?
3: Yeah, I think if there was going to be a year where Stanford lost its top its top two wide receivers, um, I think this would probably be the year to do it because that position group is arguably the deepest and most talented that it's ever been. Um, Certainly in the David Shaw era, but I think you could argue that there's more talent in that room now than there's ever been. Um, So there are a number of guys that Stanford feels really good about, um, including some, some Southern California guys, Uh, Michael Wilson, the sophomore out of uh, West Hills Chaminade, which is the greatest high school ever. Also mine. (laughs) Um, And you've got, have, have had to do it. Sorry. And uh, you got Osiris St. Brown out of Santa Ana, modern day. Also, Connor Weddington um, is back playing. And so you got a pretty good group. And then there's another player, uh, Simi Pahoko, who took two years for a Mormon mission. Um, he's out of Utah and he's back. And the Stanford coaches feel really, really good about him. He's very much in the JJ Arcega Whiteside mold. Um, Big guy, tall guy, actually the fastest wide receiver on the team um, from all reports that we've heard. And he is that kind of guy. He's a basketball standout, just like J.J. Orsega-Whiteside. So he kind of does give them that that air bully jump ball play if they choose to go for it. So I think for the first time in a while, I think Stanford's marquee talent is, first of all, you do start with Colby Parkinson, but He's as much a wide receiver as anyone else. If you look at the way he's deployed and used on the field, he'll be flexed out at least as often as he's playing with his hand in the ground. And then at running back, you know, they've made no secret that there's not a Bryce Love and there's not a Christian McCaffrey, but the, the committee, as they've called it, um, looks okay so far. They look functional. You know, Cameron Scarlett's a fifth year senior. He knows what he's doing out there. Um, Dorian Maddox got some run on Saturday and he looked pretty good. I think one of the interesting evolutions of this Stanford offense has been there was a lot of talk about using the backs in the passing game and doing more of that this year. And we saw that last Saturday against Northwestern. So I think it's an unusual situation. I think Stanford's talent for the first time in a long time is really more heavily concentrated on the perimeter, on the offensive side of the ball. And, um, and, yeah, so it's, it's a little bit different look coming into the Coliseum on Saturday night.
0: Defensively for the Cardinal, I thought they did a really good job against Northwestern, uh, really shutting them down for most of the game. I know a little bit of concern, I guess you could say, with the linebacker core coming into the season. But I, it seemed like the defense is playing at a high level. What did you see from the Stanford defense?
3: Yeah, I think that's right in both cases. I think inside linebacker, you know, with the loss of Sean Barton and Bobby Okariki, who were two guys who got, you know, the huge – the huge bulk of the snaps last year, um, there were a lot of questions about that group, especially when you consider, you know, Stanford's a base 3-4 team and you really kind of need your inside linebackers to be cleaning things up. That's kind of the design of the defense. But they've uh, they've looked good. They moved Curtis Robinson, another modern day guy from the days of yore, um, to inside linebacker. They've got Andrew Pritz who's another senior who had an interception on Saturday and played a pretty good game. And then they've got two young guys that they're really excited about in Ricky Miazon and big of Megan Ferrar. So again, like I was saying earlier, an area of concern, at least at the start has started to look like something, um, something that they feel pretty good about as far as the inside linebackers and then the defense overall. Yeah. I mean, I think they played about as well as they could play. I mean, like I said, Northwestern's not a great offense, but, um, they looked good. They looked better on the defensive line. They looked better up front. And so um, I'm actually really curious to see how they hold up against USC because, you know, I think in years past, there's been a lot of USC-Stanford games where it seemed like, at least for long stretches, USC was having its way running the ball and then kind of by their own choice kind of went away with it. And I think this year, I think Stanford's a little better equipped to be tougher against the run, but I think, you know, certainly USC is going to test them in that regard.
0: Saw one of your tweets about this uh, being a rivalry game, and if you questioned how much Stanford views USC as a rival, they do play the USC fight song throughout practice.
3: I think it has. And I think, you know, David Shaw touched on this um, in his press conference this week. But I think um, just a lot of it is that finally Stanford has been able to sustain a level of play to where it really is a rivalry. I actually, you know, I think there's a lot of Stanford fans and a lot of USC fans. Um, you know, who in their, in their most truthful moments would concede that this is a very, very intense rivalry and it's, it's up there with anyone else that, that Stanford plays on its schedule. And I think the only thing that's held it back is, you know, USA just being so dominant. I mean, they're, I think they're 30 games above 500 all time or pretty close to that. But like you said, it's been really competitive over this last decade. And certainly from the Stanford point of view, I feel very confident saying that there's not a victory on the schedule that eclipses a victory over USC. This is the rivalry. This is, this is the team on Stanford's schedule that is has no chance of ever being overlooked.
0: Yeah. We'll see what happens this weekend. USC and Stanford in the Coliseum should be a fun one. RJ Abadia, follow him on Twitter at RJ underscore A-B-E-Y-T-I-A. Thanks so much, RJ.
3: No problem, Ryan. Thanks a lot.
0: All right, we're going to take a quick break. Be back here on the uscfootball.com peristyle pregame show, giving you five bold predictions and lots more heading into USC versus Stanford. Okay, picture this. It's Friday
3: afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: Welcome back to the USCfootball.com Peristyle pregame show. Thanks to Platinum Storage and the store local companies for sponsoring the Peristyle pregame show. Platinum Storage has locations all around Southern California. and You can find them online at PlatinumStorage.com. All right. Let's toss it over to Chris Trevino for his hot takes and what's going to go down in the Coliseum on Saturday night.
5: This is Chris Trevino with USCFootball.com, and these are my five predictions for USC's Week 2 matchup with Stanford. Prediction number one, Keaton Slovis completes two passes of at least 30 yards. Now, I know that's a big prediction to drop on a true freshman making his first career start, especially against this Stanford team that has a lot of talent, like All-American candidate Paulson Adibo out there at cornerback. But Slovis also gave us a glimpse of what he can do when he's attacking downfield with that 41-yard completion to Tyler Bonds in the second half of the Fresno State win. Now, the overlying numbers weren't great. He was 6 of 8 for 57 yards and that interception. But that interception was him going deep down the field, and there was a little bit of a miscommunication. But there's a big difference from coming in as a true freshman in your first game in the second half suddenly to having an entire week to work with the first-team offense. I think having that entire week of preparation and film study and confidence, I think he's going to be a lot more comfortable out there on Saturday. Helton also said that the playbook would be wide open for him this Saturday and he won't be held back and that he can't wait to see it. So with all that being said, I like to think that number nine is going to let it fly a couple times this weekend. Moving on to prediction number two, Telano Hufunga nabs his first turnover of the year. Now last week it was Isaiah Polamau who was the star of the secondary, coming up with that game-sealing interception in his first career sack. But this week, I like Talanoa to get in on the turnovers. Now, number 15 was all over the field in the Fresno State win, recording eight total tackles, second on the team, and six of them solo. That was just one off John Houston's team-leading seven solo tackles. Now, it's hard to see him coming up with interception this Saturday because Stanford obviously likes to keep it on the ground. But the good news there is that Talanoa is really good when he's playing near the box and near the line of scrimmage. All I'm saying is don't be surprised if he comes up with a critical rip of a ball or a big stick to knock the ball loose, or maybe even comes down with a tip drill. Prediction number three, USC's defense tallies at least five tackles for a loss. Now we know Stanford's offensive line could be nasty up front, but they're going to be really, really young this season. Walker Little, their All-American left tackle and potential first-round draft pick, is out until midseason with a lower leg injury. That means Stanford is going to turn to true freshman Walter Rouse, a former three-star prospect to start in his place this weekend. That's got to be music to your ears if you're the vet Christian Rector or even the talented freshman Jake Jackson. Now, the defensive front wasn't perfect last week as they failed to finish off several plays, but they were still getting in the backfield. And even if you look to the right side, Foster Sorrell, a former 5 style prospect, will be starting there, but he only has one career start under his belt. Now, considering how much Stanford will run the ball, there will be plenty of chances for USC's defense to hit on this prediction. On to prediction number four. Stefan Carr records a 40-yard play from scrimmage. Now, if you take a step back with me in the time machine back to 2017, you'll remember then Carr was a freshman, and he had a dazzling debut in the Pac-12 with 119 yards, including a 52-yard run against Stanford in that home win. But he hasn't looked like that in a while, considering the back surgery and the nagging ankle injury. But last Saturday made you think, is the mojo back? Well, Carr forced more missed tackles per carry than any other running back in the nation in Week 1, according to Pro Football Focus on top of 99 total yards and two touchdowns. So it certainly seems like the mojo's coming back. So I'm considering this a full circle kind of prediction and he gets another big play against the Cardinal at home. And finally, prediction number five, Bayless Jones records a kickoff return of at least 50 yards. Basically, I really like Jones's confidence right now in the return game after snapping a two year drought without a kickoff return for a touchdown for USC. I know he's come very, very close the last two seasons to breaking one and to finally get it in a big way on Saturday Must be a huge boost. He actually had two really huge kickoff returns, if you remember. That 61-yarder was wiped off off a coaching mistake. But I just got a gut feeling about this one, and I think he's rolling hot, and I think he comes up big again in the return game in a big Pac-12 matchup.
0: Great stuff from Chris there. I'm going to agree. Number four, Stephen Carr, I think he's going to get a 40-yard play from scrimmage. If you watched him in that Fresno State game, he was averaging like two guys missing tackles against him every time he touched the ball. I think he's going to break a big one in the Stanford game.
1: Now that's the one that I was going to argue might not happen. I just, I'm not sure. I haven't seen enough from USC's offensive line yet. Can they make a hole to get a card that yardage? I'm not sure yet.
2: I'm not going to be the deciding vote here. I'm going to look at the other side of the ball, the defensive (laughs) line, the the five tackles for loss. USC had four last week. I think they're going to get in the backfield. Young quarterback, you're going to get some pressure on him. I think USC gets that one pretty easily. There were some missed
0: tackles, shotgun. so I think they left a little bit on the table. If they clean up all those times, they get to the ball carrier in the backfield, they certainly could get more than five tackles for loss.
2: I mean, Clay Helton said that they should have had four or five, six more sacks out there. So if that's the case, you're getting way over that number there. I think the pass rush is going to have to get back there and make some plays. But tackling is going to be an issue. It was a little bit of an issue last week. His first game jitters. I mean, Graham Harrell gave that excuse for the offense. Was that the case for the defense too? I don't know. And Keenan Slovis, what
0: do you think? Can he get two passes over 30 yards? Are they going to just have him dunking and dinking and the whole time? Or is he really going to air it out and throw it down the field?
1: I mean, if the pass to Tyler Vaughn is any indication, Keenan Slovis can air it out. I think they should let... The kid go open to the playbook. I think number one is attainable.
2: I think it depends on how Stanford plays defense. You know, if they try to play a couple too uh, too high and you know keep their safeties back, keep their linebackers back, then it's gonna USC is going to take that short throw in the first half. J.T. Daniels never had a thirty yard pass, so I, I think it just depends on the way they're played. If they try to bring their their linebackers up and bring some safeties in and give him that opportunity, those one on one matchups. You got Michael Pittman, you got Tyler Vaughns, you got Amon Ross-St. Brown. Those guys can go up and make a play. And, hey, if he does a check down to Stephen Carr or Vi, they could break a tackle and take it 30 yards. I don't think it's too, too unattainable for him to get out there and get a couple of 30-yard passes. All right, let's shift
0: gears. We're going to get some sound from practice. We talked to players and coaches this week as the Trojans were getting ready for Stanford. First up, it's going to be a tough test for this, the USC offensive line. We talked to... USA Offensive Line Coach Tim Drevno about playing Stanford.
3: I mean, one is they're very well coached. I mean, Lance Anderson does a great job with that defense. And, you know, it's a, it's a lot of, you know, that's odd front, it's even front. Um, you know, they're athletic on the edges, they're very disciplined, they play extremely hard.
2: Um, you know, they're very detailed in what they do. So, I mean, uh, and I mean,
1: they're a good defense, they're a good, good team.
2: As we talked about in the first segment, Stanford has several new players in that defense, so we'll see how they react to the USC offense and that air raid system. But Tim Drevno knows Stanford pretty well. Remember, he spent four years there under uh, Jim Harbaugh earlier in his career.
0: Moving on to the other side of the ball, we talked with Coach Chad Kay. Would you talk to defensive line coach, you think they're going to want to rush the passer or stop the run? Chad Kay had a very definitive answer.
2: Always stopping the run. I'm the D-line coach so always stopping the run is the number one goal uh, and, and that's why we all know uh, Stanford prides himself on in the run game and people can say what they want about Stanford's offensive line being fresh new that's David Shaw. Coach Shaw is a master offensive mind so whatever situation they're in don't have them ready and so we gotta take that approach there's whether it's the star of all American that's in there or the number two or number three offensive lineman in there, we take the same approach. I mean, there's no, hey, we got it made because they got back There's no
1: way we're playing Stanford. So it sounds like the game plan isn't necessarily changing just because Walker Little is out. Like Chad Kay said, you respect a David Shaw coach team. You kind of know what you're getting with Stanford, even though they're missing one of their best pieces on the inf- offensive line. So USC really has to go out there and give their best performance.
0: A little bit later on the conversation, we talked to Chad K. about the importance of rushing the passer. Some of these guys got there but didn't quite wrap up, so he needs guys like Brandon Peely to really make some plays in the backfield. We talked to him about this really important matchup on Saturday.
4: Uh, you know, we're expecting a physical game. You know, we're expecting a lot of run. you know. We're not expecting to change where they are. We know what kind of uh, team they are, and we've, we've played them over the years. So, yeah, yeah we just expect a physical
5: game.
2: That's why I've been telling you guys this is a big man's game. It's all about bully ball. Who's going to play best up front? Can those big defensive tackles that USC has, Marlon Tuipilotu, Brandon Peely, Jay Tefele, they slimmed down a little bit this offseason under coach Chad K. but can they be big enough to to stop the run against Stanford you know Brandon Peely was actually in there on that pass rush unit as well in the last game on the third long situations a little bit of a change from what they expected before the game because Caleb Tremblay apparently got hurt before the game Keely you got an update on his injury
1: yeah as far as injury updates go I was told that Caleb Tremblay is good to go now whatever was ailing him before is not anymore and then as far as Andrew Voorhees the offensive lineman that is someone that we've been watching the last two weeks. Uh, Clay Helton said this week he has a foot injury, but he did practice a little bit this week, uh, so he will be a participant, but uh, Jalen McKenzie will still be the starting right guard there. As far as offensive lineman Drew Richmond, I know a lot of fans had questions about him since he wasn't participating in the second half of the Fresno State game, and that was actually due to dehydration. He told me that it was a one-time thing, he should be good to go for Saturday, and I know a lot of people have been asking about Kyle Ford, where is he on the recovery from his knee injury? Well, he's been cleared this week to do some individual drills in practice, so you won't see him on Saturday, but the freshman is moving forward to his full health soon.
0: All right, we're going to wrap it up here on the Peristyle pregame show with our pregame predictions. Let's start off with Keely Orr. Keely or how do you think this is going to go?
1: I think I'm in the minority here, but I'm predicting a USC win. I think it's going to be close. It's always a tight game where the errors matter. So, But I think USC is going to win this one. 21-17 is going to be a close game, a nail-biter, but the Trojans will pull one out.
2: I think it's going to be a very close game as well. I'm predicting a one-point game. But I gotta go on the other way. I got Ooh. Stanford winning 21 to 20 or 28-27. I think it's right in that mix. I think that the the more veteran quarterback, even though he doesn't have a ton of game experience, I think Davis Mills does something one extra play special over Keaton Slovis.
1: Okay, I see you.
0: I got a weirder call here. I'm gonna say 23-18 Stanford. I think it's gonna be this. Kind of ugly game, back and forth. There might be some special teams, gaffes, things like that going on. USC's favored by a point in this one, but I think Stanford squeaks out a tight one.
2: I just don't know how you're getting 23 to 18. You got USC kicking six field goals in this one? How is that going to play out? Is Ryan Colleen
0: coming back and kick some field goals for for USC? No, I don't know. You know, the missed, there could be a missed two-point conversion or something. Safety, I don't Something weird's going to happen in this game. That's all I think, Shotgun.
2: It, it is Stanford-USC, and there typically is some weirdness to the game. So I wouldn't be surprised if something funky happens. But 23-18, that's just a score that's never happening.
0: Yeah, we'll see. That's why it's going to happen, Shotgun. We'll see. All right. We're going to wrap things up here. We really appreciate you hanging with us late into the Saturday morning, Friday evenings on the Peristyle pregame show, sponsored by uscfootball.com, Platinum Storage and Trader Joe's. We had Keely Yorn in studio. Shotgun Sprattling here. Thanks to Chris Trevito for those bold predictions. And also thanks to RJ Abadia from the bootleg for previewing USC Stanford. Former USC All-American Taylor Mays for coming on and sharing some knowledge. And all of you out there, thanks for listening to the Peristyle pregame show. We'll be back each and every week, Friday at midnight on KABC, previewing USC's upcoming game. Hope you guys enjoy your day at the Coliseum, and we will talk to you next time.